I'm leaving home with a pair of Wellingtons on. And it's the first time I've worn Wellingtons in months. In fact, I'd go so far as to say that it might be five months since I've worn a pair of Wellingtons going out with Louis, my English setter, taking him out for his daily constitutional. And I realise that if I don't get some fuel into this car, I won't be taking him anywhere. Because the first thing I remember is that there's an orange fuel light on. The intention is to go out to Moonbon Wood, and I've been going there many times over many months. In fact, many times since about March. And recently I've taken to reading a book while I've been walking. And I'm trying to figure out how can I read, continue reading a book, recording a book being read while it's raining. And I haven't got the ability to prevent the book being becoming sodden. So I guess I'm unlikely to be able to read the book today while walking, which is a, a big disappointment. I love, or I've come to love, reading Rebecca Solnit's book, Wanderlust, A History of Walking, while I've been walking. And it's been a new experience. It's a bit like, I suppose, reading a book about skydiving while you're skydiving. And that would be pretty exciting. And this is a, a slower version of the same thing. Uh, here I go. I'm going in here now to get petrol. And I'll back to you in a minute after I've got petrol. <clears throat> I spent 42 euros on petrol, unleaded petrol. The headline in one of the papers, the uh, Irish examiner, says that there's a lot of opposition to a prohibition on photographing police. Gardaí, as they're called in Ireland. The idea that you couldn't uh, photograph the police would be... I'd be totally against that. I believe that the police should be able to be photographed and that it's a way of keeping the police accountable and also it's a civil liberty that we have now that we shouldn't give up. We shouldn't give up. It all connects with a particular police officer who was identified by facial recognition software, something to do with Facebook and came in for a lot of uh, abuse, verbal abuse, uh, recently. Verbal abuse is something that people, people, I don't, I wouldn't even use the word a lot. Some people have experienced on social media. It's also, in the same vein, I would say that in traditional media, for example, restaurants have been criticized, Individuals have been criticised. Everybody, well, most people, uh, regard that as a legitimate use of free speech. 
And in fact, the use of free speech is greatly curtailed over here in Ireland and the UK in comparison with, say, the United States. There are a whole lot of things you can say about somebody in the United States that you can't say without running the risk of being taken to court and uh, losing, losing money for a libel or slander. Uh, I didn't expect to be saying anything at all about that topic. I wasn't aware that there were calls from somebody, and it could only be a few politicians or somebody, calling f for legislation to prevent people photographing the police. Now, nobody would like to be photographed while at work and then to have a deluge of criticism some of which would be nasty criticism Ex criticism expressed in a very nasty form none of us would like that but once you give people their own radio station, their own TV station, their own ability to publish a newspaper, which is exactly what we get via the internet and social apps. Once you give people that, you have to expect that some people will use it in a way that most people would disapprove of. End of story, this wasn't uh, going to be either a sermon or a political broadcast on behalf of the Citizens' Rights League. I need to clear the windscreen. My goodness, there's somebody already out in Moanbon Wood, presumably walking their dog. And it is wet, you see, so that's why I'm a bit surprised that there's somebody out in the woods. Continuing on page 110 from chapter 7. He, meaning Wordsworth, wrote about the poor as people rather than as figures in fables of virtue or pity, as he wrote about landscapes in their specific details rather than in high-flown generalizations and classical allusions. Choosing plainer language was a political act with spectacular artistic results. What is marvellous about Wordsworth's early poetry? In its union of the radical walk for the sake of encounters with the cynic stroll of aesthetic connoisseurs. Looking back, it seems, there should have been some tensions between scenery and poverty as subjects, but for the young Wordsworth in that exuberant moment there were none. The landscapes are the more incandescent for being populated by vagrants rather than nymphs, and that incandescence is the more necessary as the birthright and backdrop of the desperate. The recurrent structure of these early poems is a walk interrupted by an encounter with those displaced by the economic turbulence of the time into fellow wanderers. Earlier poets and artists had looked at the cottages and bodies of the poor and found them picturesque or pitiful. But no one with such a voice had found it worthwhile to talk 
to them before. When we talk, we naturally go to the fields and woods, remarked Thoreau. But Wordsworth headed as eagerly to the public roads as to the mountains and lakes. People walk streets for the sake of encounters and paths for solitude and scenery. On the road, Wordsworth seems to have found an ideal intermediary, a space providing long, quiet spells broken by the occasional meeting. He affirmed, I love a public road, few sights there are that please me more. Such object has had power o'er my imagination since the dawn of childhood, when its disappearing line seen daily far off on one bare steep beyond the limits which my feet had trod, was like a guide into eternity, at least to things unknown and without bound. Which is to say that the road had a kind of perspectival magic, an allure of the unknown, but it also had a populace. And again, she quotes Wordsworth, When I began to inquire, to watch and question those I met, and held familiar talks with them, the lonely roads were schools to me, in which I daily read, with most delight the passions of mankind, there saw into the depth of human souls, souls that appear to have no depth at all, to vulgarize. This education had begun during his school days, when he boarded with a retired carpenter and his wife and met peddlers, shepherds and similar characters. These early experiences seem to have set him at ease with people of another class and at least partially relieved him of that mental barrier that separates the English classes from each other. He once remarked, Had I been born in a class which would have deprived me of what is called a liberal education, it is not unlikely... It is not unlikely that, being strong in body, I should have taken to a way of life such as that in which my peddler passed the greater part of his days. The terrible uncertainty of his own early life, with parents dead and relatives shuttling the children round, seems to have generated a sympathy for the displaced, while his passion for travelling made these mobile characters, in a word, romantic to him. The times themselves were uncertain. The old order had been shaken by the revolutions and insurrections in France, America and Ireland, and the poor were being displaced by the changing rural scene and dawning industrial revolution. The modern world of people cast adrift unanchored by the securities of place, work, family, had dawned. This short piece I read in my kitchen, because I couldn't find the recording that I made of it while walking in the open air, 
and I thought, I certainly don't want to miss out even a single paragraph of this book. So now we can continue with reading in the open air. The mobile figure recurs in the work of William Wordsworth's contemporaries too, and walking seems to have provided literal common ground between those travelling to seek adventure and pleasure and those on the road to seek survival. Even now English people tell me that walking plays so profound a role in English culture in part because it is one of the rare classless arenas in which everyone is roughly equal and welcome. The young Wordsworth wrote about discharged soldiers, tinkers, peddlers, shepherds, stray children, abandoned wives, the female vagrant, the leech gatherer, the old Cumberland beggar, and others who tended to be nomadic or displaced. Even the wandering Jew made an appearance in his poetry and that of many other romantics. Or, as Hazlitt put it, in describing the revolutionary transformation of English poetry at the hands of Coleridge Wordsworth and Robert Southey, they were surrounded, in company with muses, by a mixed rabble of idle apprentices and botany bay convicts, female vagrants, gypsies, meek daughters in the family of Christ, of idiot boys and mad mothers, and after them owls and night ravens flew. Wow. The peddler Wordsworth might have been in the... The peddler Wordsworth might have been is the principal narrator of his first long narrative poem, The Ruined Cottage. It is typical of his early poetry in that in it a fortunate young man encounters while walking someone who tells him the tale that makes up the body of the poem so that the young man and his saunters make a kind of frame around the sad picture serving as frames do both to underscore the value and to isolate the work within. This time around, the Wordsworth figure arrives at a ruined cottage, where the peddler tells him the pathos-drenched tale of the last residence of the place, a family torn apart into wanderers and lingerers by economic hardship. Everyone in the story is in some kind of pedestrian motion. The strolling narrator, the nomadic peddler, the husband enlisted and gone to a distant land, the heartbroken wife wearing a path into the grass by pacing back and forth, watching the road for his return. The walkers in the garden had been anxious to distinguish their walking for pleasure from that of those who walked for necessity, which is why it was important to stay within the garden's bounds and not to walk as travel. But Wordsworth sought out meetings with those who represented this other kind of walking, or frequently borrowed those characters as met and vividly described by Dorothy in her journals, from which he gathered much. For all its meaty, radical politics, the prelude is a thirteen-book sandwich whose bread is landscape. 
The poem ends with a visionary experience atop Mount Snowdon in Wales that leads to another long soliloquy, but no further geographical details. A shepherd, shepherds were among the first mountain guides in Europe, leads him and an unnamed friend up during the night so that they can see the sunrise from the peak. Because the young men are so fit, they arrive early at their destination. The narrative leaves Wordsworth atop the mountain in a sudden flood of moonlight, scenery and revelation. Climbing a mountain has become a way to understand self, world and art. It is no longer a sortie from, but an act of culture. But walking wasn't only a subject for Wordsworth. It was his means of composition. Most of his poems seem to have been composed while he walked and spoke aloud to a companion or to himself. The results were often comic. The Grasmere locals found him spooky and one remarked, He won't a man as said a deal to common folk, but he talked a deal to himself. I often seed his lips aganin while another recalled he would set his head a bit forehead and put his hands behind his back, and then he would start a bumming, and it was bum, 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 stop, then bum, 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 reach down till t'other end, and then he set, and then he'd set down and get a bit of paper and write a bit. In the prelude, he describes a dog he used to walk with, who would, when a stranger drew near, cue him to shut up and avoid being taken for a lunatic. It's a bit like me, actually, walking along like this, but reading a book. I'm not composing anything, but I'm reading somebody else's composition. And somebody came around the corner in the 19th century and found me reading like this. They might call me a lunatic. He possessed a remarkable memory that allowed him to recollect with visual detail and emotional vividness scenes long past, to quote long passages of the poets he admired, and to compose a foot and write the results down later. Most modern writers are desk-bound, indoor creatures when they write, and nothing more than outline and ideas can be achieved elsewhere. Wordsworth's method seemed a throwback to oral traditions and explains why the best of his work has the musicality of songs and the casualness of conversation. His steps seem to have beat out a steady rhythm for the poetry, like the metronome of a composer. I think I have to stop here. The, uh, the water coming from the sky is too strong for the pages of the book. I find that myself quite frequently over the last few years composing while I walked using the audio app on my iPhone to record. And I've recorded in this wood using long silences as space in between the sentences or the thoughts. 
and then cut out the silences afterwards. Oh, there's a man. There's a man dressed in dark clothes. Does he have a dog? That's my question. Oh, they have. Here, Louis, come here. Here, come here. There's two men. I think they're collecting mushrooms. Here, Louis, come here. Come here. Come here. Come here. I stand there a little bit and I will cover you up. We'll go and see. These men might be from Latvia and Poland collecting mushrooms. Good morning. Would I be right in guessing you're collecting mushrooms? Yes. You got any good ones? Yes, we are loads. Loads. In there somewhere? Yeah. Yeah? yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah. May I take a photograph? Are they the best? Yeah. I know nothing about this uh, is lovely. Oh beautiful looking. Yeah. Oh I must take just a photograph of inside your bag. <laughs> Please. Just This uh, is good. This come on, good. come on. Yeah. But that, you know. That's terrific. Yeah. Thank you. I have met other people in the woods oh, collecting mushrooms. Saturday, Saturday coming. coming first, first time, time Saturday, I see you know. that. Lots with buckets, maybe buckets. 20, 40 people. 20 people also. First time I see that. <laughs> and it's Irish people see Polish, yeah. Irish. No, well, I thought that the, I, I met Polish people and Latvian. Yeah. Yes. I met a Polish person and a Latvian person, two men. I'm Russian, Lithuania. You're Russian and Lithuania. <laughs> I'm building up a picture. Next you know, where do we have to get Finland and uh, some other countries? Uh, <laughs> wow. So, I mean, I don't know anything about mushrooms. If I saw no. mushrooms... This is the best. The best. This is, this yeah. Let me take a photograph this of is, that one. Is it a bit... Is it got a strong flavor? Is the is one you had there one minute? I'll just... Uh, yeah, let me just uh, photograph this is, those ones. Yeah. Wow. This is you know, the best. The, the, Oh, yes, yes. Like strong. very strong. Solid. Yeah? Very strong, you know. Oh, yeah. They, they, uh, do they remind me of... Um, Actually, I think Irish people eat that, because in the uh, farmer's market, yeah. in Midlanton, selling super in Midlanton. Yeah. Oh, they yeah. sell them? Yes. 40, 40, 40 euro per kilo. kilo. <laughs> this, boleto. 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 And do they come out into the woods here to pick them themselves? <laughs> I don't know. Or do they buy it I at a market, I suppose, mm. maybe? But, you know, load mushrooms is very bad you know uh, need no no about need mushrooms, very you know? very good we take just, no. just because we take just balletas and mushrooms you see that where would it's I no good. that it's no, no good. good but very simple hedgehog or i don't know Hedge. the ones that look beautiful sometimes yes, they're not, not uh, you not have good. mushrooms that have red in them are no. they no. can no. some of those be a good we two days ago Balletas bigger, about five kilo I take. Oh my goodness! Yeah, yeah. And this one very baletas, nice. Oh, one balletas maybe eighty 800. grams, you know, eighty grams, you know. And how do you find them? Just walk in there, yeah, walk, yeah, yeah. or walk yeah. along here. Yeah. Where is the best? <laughs> Everywhere. 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 Wow. Everywhere. Well, it's lovely to meet you. Yeah. What a good way of spending time. 
Yeah. Will you cook and them? Will you? Um, yes. Yeah. Yes. Do they keep soup. for long? Soup. Beautiful. Uh, first bullets, yeah. boiling. Boiling. Salt, five minutes. And again, change water. Yeah. And cooking uh, with potatoes is beautiful. The soup mm. is very good. Yeah, well, okay, I will leave you because okay. I have to okay. give him his walk. And th lovely to meet you. Now, more people on the on the road. More people on the road. Uh, more people on the road. Fantastic. I love that. Okay, now I'm going to be looking for mushrooms myself. I won't pick any. I won't, uh, they will walk much slower than me because they're looking into the, the verge. Okay, Louis, I'm gonna let you off. Off you go. Okay, I'm not going to read any more from Rebecca Solness. But isn't it funny that I'm reading a piece about Wordsworth walking along the road and him reveling in meeting, you know, peddlers and waifs and strays and all sorts of people, actually, I mean, I don't mean, but meeting all sorts of people and liking meeting all sorts of people and bringing people that he has met into his poetry. Of course, I'm going to have to read the prelude now. God, that's going to be my winter's task. Well, no. I have now got competition between Walt Whitman and, uh, and Wordsworth. But anyway. And here I meet people. They must be the people who were in the car back at the beginning of this walk. But I meet people and I love to meet them. It just shows that an attitude of embracing humanity in all its forms leads to very interesting conversations. That was from Cork with Love Adventure, sponsored by Nobody. This is your host, Paul Omani, saying I hope it was worth your while listening. Bye for now.